0: We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay.
1: On today's guests are Maria Milan and Isa Lassenato. Maria and Isa, a.k.a. Ocean Girls, are free divers who share their breathtaking videos exploring the depths of the ocean, highlighting the awe-inspiring wildlife and beautiful ecosystem below the surface, in the hope to inspire, educate and motivate for changes and protection for the oceans. In this interview, we discuss topics like free diving, overcoming fear, wildlife interactions, conservation methods and how you can make a difference to the oceans in your own life. And now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you both for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on because i followed your Ocean Girls um, social media now for a while. You have amazing shots. I'm not really sure about free diving. I've only done a bit of scuba diving in a a very shallow pond, basically. But for people who don't recognize you or don't recognize the name, could you give a quick introduction? Do you know? Okay. So Ocean Girls
2: is Isa and Maria. So we're both divers, and we found each other in the water before we actually even were really divers. We were just snorkeling around, having fun with our friends, and then decided to save all our content, all the videos that we make into one page, and then it blew up. And now it's on life and lifestyle. That's all we do. We free dive all the time and free diving means we dive without any uh, air. So just one breath and we go down.
1: Make it sound so simple, you know, the depths that you go to these beautiful artistic shots and how you sort of educate people on the wildlife. But sort of from Maria, what was the point that made you sort of go into free diving? Was there that inspiration or was it just growing up in such a beautiful place you thought I need to explore this more?
3: Yeah, so I actually got scuba dive certified in Thailand. Um that kind of opened the ocean world. I was around in twenty seventeen. Um, So I was backpacking and then I decided to move to Hawaii because of COVID and snorkeling was probably the easiest thing to do. You just grab your gear and go. And then when Isa and I met in the water, they were doing cave diving, which I've never heard of without without a, um, a regulator or anything. So then we just started going through caves and you just start realizing like, wow, my body can really hold like my like my breath and I'm not dying and I'm going through these caves I'm holding my breath and that's kind of what made me fall in love with the sport you kind of just it's just you and the water nothing else your phone is left behind people you're not speaking to anyone you can't speak underwater and you're kind of pushing yourself and learning about your body as well
1: because that's what I love about your your posts. It looks like it's just you two in the water. You know, you've got your own like your own um, zoo under there. You control it. You know, that you have your own shipwrecks to play with. It's it's hard to sometimes remember the vastness of the ocean that you're diving into, and it's you have this way of making it look so graceful and I don't know, motivational, inspiring. You want people to learn more about the ocean, and it's so well done. So, how do you actually? Plan your shots. Do you just go down and dive for the sake of diving and enjoy it? Or do you think, right, we need to get some content? You know, what was the inspiration for the channel? Was it just to bring it all together for your own viewing? And then you just, it's quite nice to have everybody following in? Or, you know, was there inspiration for the channel?
3: Um, It was mostly just to save our ocean Ocean Adventures, um, once we started realizing what people like to see. So Issa actually created our TikTok in the beginning. And she's like, I'm going to start posting. And she started. we started doing voiceover. So people liked kind of going on this underwater adventure, going through caves and doing a voiceover and holding your breath. So it was kind of like all trial, like people love bubble rings. And our first video posting bubble rings, that was kind of the first one that blew up on TikTok. So we were like, let's start making more bubble rings. Um, now he says an expert at making bubble <laughs> rings because of it.
1: <laughs> it yeah. is, but I love that video. Was it one million? Now you've gotten it.
3: Yeah, three million likes on that video. Yeah, it's insane. We're like sixty million views. That one yeah. is the one that went viral on Instagram. Yeah, and I think we should put it out there. Neither of us know how to
2: do social media. Like we are not, we didn't start as wanting to be influencers or anything like that. It still sounds crazy to even say that. I like, I don't like social media to begin with. I've never been that into it. But then we needed, like we said, we needed a place to save our stuff. And that's what it was for me. It was actually Maria who pushed to start it. I wasn't like, I was like, okay, sure, let's save stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like think it would ever become anything. And Maria was the one who was kind of pushing like, hey, let's like actually create content and make it a thing. And then it blew up, and now here I am making TikToks. I (laughs) would never have imagined to be the one who is a -er. (laughs) TikToker. Because
1: you you work both full-time as well, don't you?
2: So Issa's
3: a student. Yeah,
2: I'm a student here in Hawaii, so uh, I moved here to study marine biology. And then I'm a full-time,
1: remotely. That sounds horrible, being a student in Hawaii. Free (laughs) diving all your free time. Because that's... (laughs) I love, I love how in the channel it comes across as just you guys wanting to experience the ocean to show people about wildlife. You know, you're not kind of pushing your brand. You're, you're just getting people to enjoy it. Because you said your goal was, um, where is it to inspire others to help our world and see the beauty that our ocean has to offer. So, what do you hope to use this channel for? Is it to kind of educate people about the plastics that's dumped in the ocean, about wildlife, free diving? Do you just want to take people into this kind of world of this amazing sport that you do and benefiting the ocean for the future generations?
3: Yeah, I think it's more to that. I think it's having followers that don't live near the ocean or don't know that these things are going on. For example, kind of what's happening to sharks, like a million sharks are 100 million sharks are killed a year. So just opening others' eyes of like, it's really time to help, like sharing other um, accounts that tell you all the facts of what's really going on with our world, like sharing that on our pages and just opening people's eyes as much as we can.
2: And I'm a strong believer that people don't do anything unless they care about it. And they don't care. If you've never been in the ocean, if you're scared of swimming, if you're don't scuba dive, you don't free dive, you don't surf, you're not going to care if the ocean is healthy or not. Of course, you would prefer it to be healthy, but you don't actually do anything about it unless you know about it or unless you see and experience it. And that's why I think our page is important because we have a very, very wide audience. What the other big free diving pages, they are followed by other professional divers. They're followed by these ocean lovers, but our following is that and beginners people who have don't even know how to swim who just see this beautiful video that's very approachable for someone who doesn't know anything about the ocean and then that way they can experience it and hopefully that way they can care about it as well
1: no uh, it's a great mission i mean i'm originally from the highlands in scotland and you know we we back, back on basically onto the sea and you know you see the debris getting washed up from the boats where they throw their waste into the water you'd see tourists who would try to interact with the wildlife just to get their photo you know to get their selfie completely oblivious to it's a wild animal you're breaking its habitat etc you know i think that's the the good thing you're doing is you're showing these things but you're also telling people yeah, you have to give them their adequate space you can't interfere with their nests you can't interfere in this sense how then do you take your shot? You know to get the shots that you, you want to show the beauty of the animals, the setup, etc. Do you have certain rules that you go into it thinking, okay, I need to show this animal and how we're damaging this by you know like the plastic around their necks and things. But you know, do you have rules so that you get the shot but you don't interfere with the animal in any sense?
2: And you can't get the shot unless you stay respectful. The animals don't come that close. They don't. They're not. We can't get a shot like that. Like we have those shots of uh, eagle rays that are right in front of the camera. That are like look like they're super close. The way we get that kind of shot is because we stay super still. We're far from the animal. We stay on the bottom with the animal, <clears throat> and that's where breath hold comes in because we are so comfortable being down there for a while that we just lay on the bottom. We stay super still. We give the animal its space and it's comfortable, and that way we can get those zoomed-in shots of the animals. If we would just go ramming right into the animal and try to get as close as possible, you would never get that shot. Yeah, the animal he would, would be
3: gone. He would be distressed, and then he would be gone in an instance.
1: Because it's amazing, isn't it, is like how little people know about the ocean. They kind of just think, well, it's there. It's always going to be there. you know. But look at how much plastics we throw out, how little we recycle. I mean, you, you talked... Um, Try to so see if I had it there, you said you were always diving, encountering garbage, so like cable ties, plastic, etc. I mean that's doing unknown amount of damage to like various wildlife. It's re like it's changing the pH of the water in places, it's doing all these horrible things. How would you, if you had to wave a wand just now, what would you want people listening to do? Like, what would you want your fans to do? Is it recycling? Is it becoming more educationally aware of the animals? You know, what could we do so we could implement it now that could help future generations? Because you guys live in the water. So how how (laughs) can we protect it so more people can enjoy it? I know it's a bit of a big question, but...
3: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest... The right is bycatch, and Issa knows.
2: Yes. I was going to say, I yeah. as a marine biology student, we learn a lot about this. And overall, one big problem that everyone can affect the most is bycatch.
3: Do you know what bycatch is?
1: Is this where they catch and then release again when they're not at the full size? Yeah. They- kind
3: of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like other animals being caught that um, are not meant to be for example well, yeah they're trying fishing to catch- cause yeah. yeah and then they catch dolphins like a lot of dolphins die because dolphins of- turtles sharks, sharks <clears throat> whales
2: <clears throat> yeah so that's the biggest thing and the, well, the reason why it's so important is because there's so many boats out there that are doing trolling and everything that is the biggest thing they are killing so many fish and so many other animals um to catch a little bit of something. So for example, for tuna, around 60% of all the catch that they get is bycatch. Waste, they throw it away. Most of it dies, most of it doesn't survive. 60% of what they catch dies and they toss it back in the ocean. So to catch that little bit of tuna for you to eat, over twice the amount will die for your little piece of tuna. So that is the thing, I love eating fish. But the best thing to do is not to buy it at a grocery store because it is very, very hard to trust any of those labels that say they are sustainably fished. That's no. one of the papers that I actually wrote was about sustainable fishing and how it doesn't exist. Unfortunately, it's a nice idea. But to get those labels, the companies can buy them. It's about money, not about actions. So to get that label that says dolphin friendly on the tuna package, they paid money. To get that label in there, so um, the best thing anyone can do is eat sustainable fish, and the way to eat sustainable fish is to know where it's from, and that is small fishermen, fish it yourself, go spear fishing, go, go get it from your friends. Maybe you can find a local guy who who fishes, uh, who catches fish, and yeah, that's the best thing you can do. So you can still eat fish. It's not that you can't eat fish. It's just Please don't
1: get it from the grocery store. That is a very good message. I mean, we—I've um, got friends in the fishing industry, and they'll go and they—they're not allowed to catch after a certain amount of quota. So if it's in the mm-hmm. net, they have to throw it back. But a lot of that times, they've suffocated and died. So you're basically throwing in dead animals back into the sea. Or you know, the other boats have unlimited capacity, so they can just fill their boats where we're restricted in what you can catch and like you're saying it's like other things get caught up in the nets you know because we probably do need more research in the size of nets the types of nets the types of methods we'd use and it's difficult so many different countries are involved and have different rules and how they're doing it but i love that message of going and finding a sustainable source i know for instance we stopped using cod in a lot of fish and chip shops i know it's a bit weird but we use like pollock so it's it's something that is higher stock but what would you do about the plastic situation? Because it's you know it's really sad that you have to go and pick up litter on some of your dives. You know yeah. that you see this is is it Shanger Danger? You see on TikTok, he's constantly gone out with a net, filling bag after bag of hair scrunchies, ties, and all these sorts of things. How how do you ex- how can we educate people to stop leaving their shit in the water? Basically, to take better care of it.
2: The Big problem is not necessarily singular people. Of course, that is also a problem. Do not leave your trash behind. But I feel like every adult knows not to leave their trash behind. They know it's bad. But the big problem is single-use plastic, and especially here in America, we see it a lot. There's everything is packaged singularly. Like if you go and to get takeout, it's in a plastic box. Yeah. And all that plastic has to go somewhere. Sadly not all of it ends up in the landfills. Some of it ends up in the ocean, in the nature. So I think policy change is what needs to, be ha- uh, needs to happen. So in the bigger, higher level, we need to ban all single use plastic because that is very easy to replace. You could just put carbon uh, cardboard instead. And they've done it in Europe. Um, I'm from Finland and there, you barely ever get a plastic box from anywhere. It does not exist. Even here, when I go to the school cafeteria, everything is packed in plastic. In Finland, you go to a school cafeteria, they give you a plate, and you wash the plate. There's no plastic involved. No. So it's, it's all about-
1: I mean, how... I know I know. it comes to a level where we have to make this sort of massive change on a global scale, but it's do you think people will be realising that with, like, Turtles growing misshaped because they're being caught in a a, um, you know like these can six pack ring pool things, and you know you see animals interacting and in their environment differently because they swallow garbage and you know they pull sharks out with stuff inside their their guts that shouldn't be there. It it's sad that this is like aqua you know we'll we'll look into it later on and you know like global warming etc we're destroying the planet this night and that's why i'm so proud of like channels like yours who are actually addressing these concerns and teaching people about it so you do have an insane amount of control in your videos you know there's a um i'll tell remember the exact video but you blow a, a air ring and then you go up with your feet towards the surface just gliding through it like this majestic mermaid. And then, you know, you you come along to the surface and you control your body in such a way. How do you keep your skills at such a level? Is it just experimenting, going through shipwrecks, trying different things with your friends, just having fun? Or do you have to go away and train yourself to a certain level? You know, how would you keep your... Ocean Girls brand going. How do you keep the skills up to an adequate level?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think in the very beginning we were just diving a lot, like allowing ourselves to feel like very, very comfortable in the water. Um, but to feel very comfortable in the water, you you want to feel safe. Um, so we have actually taken two courses with free diving. The first course was actually focused on what can you do if someone blacks out underwater. So if I'm holding my breath and kind of trying to push myself, I know Isa will be there to go and save me. And that's what it kind of allows me to be comfortable going through shipwrecks and kind of push myself. Um, mm. And then the second mm. course we actually took, um, that was more being comfortable with depth. So Issa has actually hit 42 meters. Mm. Um, so now she's like pushing herself to kind of go more into depth while I'm trying to Allow myself to be like more comfortable with depth. So courses have definitely helped, and like if once you feel safe underwater and you know someone's gonna be there to kind of save you, that's when our skills kind of start expanding more.
2: Yeah, and I want to give, give a shout out because I was just in Mexico training for pretty much a week straight. I just trained and trained and trained with um, Ocean Tigers Dive House. It's an amazing place in Cabo, Mexico. So you can also do that kind of a retreat. Where you just learn from people who are very good at what they're doing. And like Maria said, it's all about safety. As long as you know the safety of freediving, how to be safe and how how you can know your body, you can do whatever you want.
1: Cause you certainly don't look like you're scared in the water at all. You look like that's your world. And yeah. forty-two meters is is <laughs> quite a phenomenon. I mean, I I know I I kind of I can't remember where I got this term, but they called it your personal combat chassis. I think it was from Nick Lavery, Le- and he was on about how our bodies are our own like combat chassis. How we build them, it's how we can encounter the battlefield of life. And you're going into some very high pressure. You know, you're diving for long term. You know, you're having to control yourself into tight situations. You know, like through rocks and things like that how do you train what would you want somebody who's new to the sport is there a set of benchmarks you would want them to you know like be able to swim 50 meters hold the breath for three minutes what would you want an average joel listening to do before they went into the water
2: well i think number one is know your body know your limits and the only way to do that is To dive more and if you can't necessarily dive at first if you don't have the gear or you maybe don't have a friend who can dive with you go swimming go surfing do whatever you can do in the ocean or if you don't have the ocean in the pool um just to know your limits so you know how far you can swim so you know you can handle the waves you can kind of get to know your body and how buoyant you are and everything like that just the more time you spend in the ocean Um, the more you know your body. That's the step number one. Then step number two would be, I think, getting a friend who can dive with you. Because that is number one thing on safety. Never, never, never dive alone. You always have to have a friend because if something goes wrong, there's nothing you can do in the ocean if you're alone. Even if you get a cramp or a seizure or something, Mm -hmm. you're you're done if you're in the ocean alone. Um, And then when it comes to diving, of course, blackouts, you need a friend. I think that's
3: number two, and then you can always number three could be like practicing at home. So yeah, like we do the hold your breath. That's actually teaching your body like how to react with holding your breath. So like feeling those contractions. So when you're in the water and you feel those contractions or that urge to breathe, you don't freak out because you know oh I was laying in bed, I held my breath for two minutes. I'm probably under here for thirty seconds. Like I can definitely keep going without freaking yourself out. Because it is a lot of a mind game um in the very beginning so kind of just allowing yourself to be comfortable um
2: yeah and then i guess equalizing is pretty it comes as a limit if you want a free dive yeah if
3: you don't know how to equalize then obviously you can't um dive that far so yeah. kind of learning to equalize there's youtube videos and everything so if you start feeling pressure obviously don't push it you want to not feel pressure so your eardrums don't blow. Yeah, and then if you...
1: That's what I was going to say, is that when you come back to the surface? So you don't get...
3: Uh, So when you're going down, maybe you do this um, like naturally, kind of like when you're on a plane, you're on a plane and you feel kind of that pressure. So some people like yawn or some people chew gum. So what you're doing there is you're equalizing your ears. So that's same thing that happens when you start going down after five, 10 meters, like right in the beginning too, some people feel it. So you start equalizing, you kind of push some air through your ears. So there's no pressure in in your eardrums.
2: It's kind of like if you bring a balloon down in the ocean, it always goes smaller, smaller, smaller because of the pressure. So already at 10 meters or 30 feet, uh, it's twice the atmospheric pressure. So for example, your lungs are going to be half of the size that they would be on the surface. And the same thing happens to every single air, um, like airspace in your body, including your ears, your sinuses, your mouth, even your mask, if you have a mask on when diving. So all of that needs to be equalized so you don't hurt yourself.
1: So why would you start somebody? Would it be a case of just going down Five, ten feet, you know, just going under the water and getting used to it and then going a bit further, you know, because you have these amazing videos of going into tight, small caves, going into shipwrecks and things like that. I mean, there's these amazing places to visit under the water, but how do you start building into that to get somebody to overcome the fear, like you're saying, of, you know, you're under 30 seconds and suddenly, oh, panic because you suddenly realize you're under the water without a regulator? How how do you overcome that initial fear of bloody hell? I'm you know I'm surrounded by sharks and I'm in this big ocean. How how can yeah. we just sort of calm, collect? Do you have like a mantra that you're saying initially? You know, yeah. you've talked about dropping your heart rate down, controlling your breath. But how do you control the you know the the, the thing in the middle life. between your eyes, just to to avoid stopping yourself before you, your body can actually go to that depth.
3: Yeah, I think what I do kind of when I know I'm going to go a little push my limit, I, and everyone, you kind of do a breathe up. So you're kind of slowing your heart rate, we breathe out um, for like 10 seconds, and you breathe in for five seconds. So right there, you're, you're kind of slowing your heart rate down. And just knowing that you're safe. That's like the biggest thing so I know when you when you black out what happens underwater is that your body shuts down you're not actually drowning. your body just shuts down and what's amazing with our body is you actually don't breathe when you black out. So you're underwater, you're not breathing but you're you're not fully there. so you, and that's when I know if something were to happen like that ISA brings me above water. she mm-hmm. takes my masks off. She blows in my eyes and she's like, wake up, wake up. And it's like you fainted underwater. And then that's when I breathe, which is such an amazing phenomenon. And I think that's what allows me to push myself, because if I were to blackout, I know my body hopefully is going to do the same thing that others do when free diving, which is shut down, not breathe and wait for someone to bring them up.
1: Has that happened? Yeah. I mean, how did not you not- overcome? Oh, yeah. Because that's yeah. the thing. I always think people fall back to the highest level of their training, not to the requirements of the you know the situation. And for newbies, I'm sure they probably panic straight away, and nobody thinks get them to the surface, control it. You know, follow yeah. your training. It's it is an amazing thing to do. So how how do you do? Um, can you go a little into that breathing that as you're going down, you're saying you breathe out for ten seconds, five, and then in for five seconds how do you lower that heart rate as you go down
2: um so naturally when you breathe out your heart rate is lower than when it is when you breathe in that's just how human physiology works Mm -hmm. and that is very personal i want to put it out there not every diver does it this way some divers don't change their breathing at all before diving down they just take one last breath Uh, many divers use this technique that we were saying just to be able to slow their breath down there is no actual research behind this type of breathing breathing out slower and then in um faster but it doesn't really matter if it's actual change in your body or if it's all in your head whatever you need to do to be able to kind of empty your mind and find that good headspace, um i often just float and don't even think about my breathing so i just float i can float for a minute two minutes And then once I feel, I hear my heart going slower, that's when I know I'm ready to dive down. And that's when I take my last breath and go down. So it's not necessarily what you do. It's what's happening in your mind.
1: I love it. I love how it's become almost like a symbiotic relationship you have with, you know, the ocean now. You just are that excited to be in it. You just know you wait till you physically feel right and then you just slide into it and just do these amazing things. It's it's an area that I've always been interested in. Pe- watching people doing these amazing videos. And when I found your channel, I was blown away by the quality of it. You know, it's the the shots you have, the you know, the resolution. It looks like you're literally in your own pool with your own situation. But when you start interacting with corals, when you're going into shipwrecks, when you're you know, doing all these amazing things. How do you communicate with each other? I'm assuming with hand gestures, but how do you make decisions, you know, when you're going into tight situations? Do you have to plan beforehand? You know, how do you, because they say that no contact survives, uh, no plan survives the first contact. What if something goes wrong? Hopefully it never ever does, but how do you make sure you're as safe as possible to get that experience?
3: Yeah. So there has been Thai caves. Isa loves going through Thai caves, but number one rule is for her to just let me know. Um, she knows not to push herself, like let's say a really deep Thai cave because I, I will be straight honest with her and I'll be like, I won't be able to save you. So she'll go with someone that's a little more advanced than me and then try that Thai cave. Um, so just making sure to let each other know, like I always tell Issa, like, I'm about to go do this cave dive. Um, So she then follows me like I'm I'm going under the cave and then she follows above and then waits at the end. And then sometimes I go down and look at the cave and wait for her to come out as well to just to make sure everything is is going as planned.
2: Yeah, a good example is actually that shipwreck that you're talking about. Uh, One of them has like a swim through inside that I've been now looking at the past few times we've gone to that wreck. I go down, I look at it, I see the way out, I look at the other side. That's also a good thing. We never just shoot in there. Like We make sure there's a way out, way in, it's super safe. We don't just push it for the fun of it. Um, So I've been looking at it, but I haven't gone through it yet, even though I know I can go through it, because I want to make sure I'm with someone who is equally as comfortable going through it. So I know if something would go wrong in there, I would have someone who can take me out of there. So I still haven't it, done it, even though I want to do it because I want to be safe about it. Because
3: that that one is like the 20 meters, yeah, down, Oh, swim through 20 meters, which I uh, would right now I would not want to do.
1: <laughs> it just makes me go no, no, no. Uh, I've interviewed uh, a guy called Andy Torbett, who goes into like he's a, a cave diver and he goes in and gets <laughs> the shots for like the British broadcasting channel over here you know he's the one they send in and he goes into these like really tight spaces or the like really inhospitable places you know and it's you look at it and it's like the overhang of rock and the the rocks on the ground there's a tiny bit of space he's pushing his tanks through he's cr- and it's, when i then seen your videos it reminded me of that i was thinking how do you keep calm when you know you're getting cut from either side when you're pushing yourself through it's I love that kind of plan of you check it again and again and again and then again. You know, you don't you know, you see too many people kind of pushing themselves for new PBs and I love how you're building up to this challenge. Do you review your dives? Do you sit down with each other and go, I didn't like that. Let's go here next time, let's do that next time or is it just about the enjoyment of it? How much sort of planning to make it better divers do you go into after each session?
2: We do. I think our first priority is to have fun in the water. Yeah, that's like what
3: we kind of promised each other. Yeah. That once we realized that Instagram and TikTok was growing um, and that we wanted to push more videos, we kind of promised each other that like we'll never dive because of the videos. Or we will never die because we want to get that shot. Mm -hmm. Unless we book something with a photographer and videographer, then we know our mindset is like, okay, we're going to get some beautiful shots. Um, But we did just, we promised each other from the very, very beginning that we weren't going to allow kind of the Instagram followers or anything to dictate like our lifestyle or anything.
2: Yeah, we've been really good at it. Most of our, so we dive a lot. We dive
3: three times a week
2: yeah at least and out of those dives we get content on every dive a little bit but it's never that we go in like okay today we get this shot or today we go this deep or today we hit this breath hold there has been more of that lately because i have been training deep diving and one day i might want to compete um so i have been doing more of that kind of serious diving where i kind of hit things but i've been trying to kind of add those training steps that I need for my body to be able to go deeper into my fun dives. So I might do, um, I might try to hit a minute and a half breath hold every dive I do. I might, even if it's not that deep, the dive, I sometimes do exhale dives. So I don't go down with the full breath. I go down instead with uh, only half of my lungs filled to mimic going down deeper so I do add them a little bit now to the diving just to be able to train more as well as have fun. But like we said, first priority is just to have fun. We don't really review our dives. We do sometimes give notes like, hey, you can't go on your own to do that. You have to keep an eye on me. Yeah. But that's just Or the way too. we're
3: kicking sometimes when yeah. I, I notice like, oh, I'm I'm using my knees, like I need to start kicking a little differently. And that's kind of the only thing we're kind of reviewing. Yeah.
0: It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The company showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up.
1: I love how it's still about the fun for you. You know, it's, you're doing it because you enjoy it. Because you see too many... I hate the word influencer, but I, I see a lot of people. It's like I'm doing it for the channel. I'm doing this brand, and it goes against who they are as per- you know, their own personal philosophy. But they want to do it because they think, "Oh, I need to get the views. I need to put content out there." Whereas you guys are just having fun. You're enjoying it. Just you're keeping it a hobby and bringing along others for the ride. And it's it's really rare, and you should be proud of it because you've done hundreds of videos now. Is there a particular dive video that you would want people to check out first? What What are you most proud of? I know it's probably all of them, but what stands yeah. out for you as divers? One type
2: of video. One video. Because hmm, we do post a lot, and that's sometimes what people are like, well, you guys have so much content, you post so much, it must be so much work. It's cause we dive a lot. <laughs> so, cause we dive so much, we have a lot of content to post. So it's not such a, such a big thing for us to post so much. Um, damn, what would be my favorite? I think there's some old videos that I love. Um, especially I think you can find them from Instagram, especially the first kind of voiceover videos of join us on a day of diving type of videos. That I find really fun because they're the like old ones, even though even those ones are like half a year old. So not yeah. that old. <laughs> but it for me, it's nostalgic. So when I go see those, that's where I, I think you can see most what we are. Because, yes, we do those beautiful bubble rings and we do those cool air pockets and stuff. But most what we are are those goofy videos of kind of like join us on a dive, like see how how we interact with each other, too. That's yeah. where you can actually see our friendship the most
1: i'll always love that one like when you're riding on her back and pretending she's rudolph and you know it's it's i I think that's the beauty of it it's like that you show the quirkiness you show your bond as well as like oh look at this shark look at this and it's like it really comes across as your friendship for people who are wanting to build that kind of dynamic that kind of friendship Have you noticed, like, why your friendship is so strong? You know, because you you seem to have this amazing life on Instagram going hiking with friends and having fun and, you know, you're doing things with your partners and, you know, you're going all over the world, like, in such beautiful places. But your Mm -hmm. bond seems to really come across in your videos. Why do you think you two are such good friends? If you can say it in front of each other, I don't know if it's it's awkward.
2: (laughs) Actually, I hate her. (laughs) It's the last time we see No, I think because we are so different. I think that's what made it work, to be honest, because a lot of times you need your friends to be very similar to you to be able to be good friends. But we are very different types of personalities. Our age gap is huge. (laughs) You think
3: a baby. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm only 21. And And then I'm about to turn 28. Um...
1: I'm not even going to join this conversation because I'm (laughs) very much older. (laughs)
3: yeah i think it is we like balance each
2: other really well and then what brings us together is the ocean so that's how our friendship started we started in the ocean and the reason we started hanging out so much was because everyone else like when we were snorkeling with our friend group everyone else left the water they were like okay i'm cold i'm tired i'm i'm bored we were like where is everyone going like we still want to be here like after an hour we were like oh where did everyone go after two hours we're like where did everyone go and then we we're like, well, just others can join
3: if they want and we'll we'll go dive. And so we'll then, yeah, it ended up yeah. being just Issa and I going all the time. Yeah. And I think the biggest part is just always kind of being down for an adventure. Mm-hmm. Like I think the first time Issa and I truly hung out was everyone canceled on camping. <laughs> yeah. And we were I was like, I'm still down to go camp with you. And we just went camping and a couple yeah. people joined us, and it's just not overthinking the situation not letting plans kind of ruin our day it's kind of just we're gonna we know that we're gonna get in the water this weekend and it's just what time are you free and then we just get in so there's no complication or overthinking about anything Mm -hmm. which is really nice in a
1: friendship it definitely comes across in your videos that kind do you think the different parts of your personality have kind of make each other a better diver and a better person in a way because it seems to be you know you've you're saying that you want to compete and you're saying you want to have a bit of fun you know is it that you can make, bring that side out in each other do you think
3: yeah so yeah. for me i think isa's more like the laid back when it comes to trying things out so she kind of pushes me a little more but i also mellow her out and i'm like don't get in the water right now it's not the best time so it's kind of like mellowing each other out um which is really nice
2: yeah and i think maria has definitely brought in the artistic side for our stuff like the beauty of the posts as we have comes a lot from maria's side and then i do more of those like maybe like pushing myself doing kind of more crazy things like going through those tiny caves and stuff because I've always had, like, I'm. for me, it's very easy to push myself in those things. I don't really overthink anything. Uh, but then I also need someone to tell me like, hey, like, take it easy. Yeah, you have to stay safe. So it is important to have someone like that. Yeah. So and then maybe the goofiness, we both are very goofy. But then maybe I push to bring the goofiness more into the channel. And then Maria is more like, because I think we need both. We can't just have a goofy channel and we can't just have an artistic channel that's why i think we did get so many followers is because we have i don't i haven't seen another account that is such a mix of both
1: i mean that's something like like, because when you follow you you know you get the suggested channels there was no other channels that had that level of learn this skill have a bit of fun watch one person pretending the other ones uh like a Rudolph on the ride in the wind. You know, it's like there's so many funny quirks, but there's also so many coming and experience this dive with us or see this animal, this education. You balance it so well. So, what has these things taught you? Because there's videos where you dive from the surface down and it's like you narrate over them and say, see how long you can hold your breath. Could you do this dive with us? What is doing those kind of three, four minute dives? taught you about what you're capable as a person does it make you realize how your potential is far bigger than you originally thought
2: yeah i think those videos that we post i think there's one video where i'm actually doing a really long breath hold for myself um those really long breath holds come kind of natural to us at this point and we usually do the videos only when we are very, very comfortable. So those one minute breath holds aren't really pushing us too much. Um, And we've also actually noticed that those are the ones that people find the best are the one minute or less. If we actually push ourselves to those two minute breath holds, not that many people enjoy them actually, because I think it's too far from their comfort zone. So they don't, they're like, like, forget about it. But then when it's yeah. more approachable for them, they prefer it. So we do do both, but we don't focus on filming ourselves when we're pushing it, um, ourselves. But it does, um, like, finding your limits through breath hold has happened, but I've only done it when it's super safe. So the, my longest breath hold, when I actually was the closest to uh, blacking out, was done with a professional freediving instructor. I was not diving. I was just floating on the surface, um, Maria was right there checking that I I was okay. Mm-hmm. The instructor was right there. That's where I find my limits, and that's where I like learn my body the best. Not while taking videos,
1: because that's I I'm was really impressed at some of those videos. And you in the comments like, "Oh my god, I'm terrified just watching." Oh, I don't know how you can do that. Yeah. Some people are coming out going, "I can't swim, but I'd love to be a free direct. You know, it's you're giving people that encouragement to. Just get into the water to enjoy it. But if you were to start with somebody because you do a lot of work with, I think you call them ocean safaris. Um, mm. what, how would you advise somebody who's interested in diving into, you know, seeing these experiences? How would they find a a reputable company? You know, like a good place to start. Because you know, like say you're coming on holiday, is there a way of gauging a suitable company to work with? that's going to keep you safe, like the level of professional qualifications we should look for?
2: Well, that is actually very difficult to find because tourism is all about money. And often what you look for is the cheapest option. And then the cheapest option is not necessarily the safest or the best or the best for the locals. So I think one of the best things you can do is once you... Get to your destination walk around maybe go in the harbor ask people ask the locals maybe there's some dive shops around the area where you can go ask because um, that's how you get the best price you find the best people and you actually support locals instead of some bigger companies especially if you go to a very touristy place i know it like requires a lot more effort from your part to do that. But especially Maria is really good at this. She's backpacked around the world and she, that's all she did. She walked around and asked. And then if you want to do it beforehand, um, I think social media right now, social media is the best place to find good people. You certainly want to read that the
3: company Mm -hmm. is for the animals. It's not for the money, you know, like maybe 10% goes back into the ocean. Like, they're giving back um, versus we're trying to book 20 people in a boat to go and chase one turtle.
2: Yeah. Cause I've worked on those. I worked for a little bit on one of those companies. That's like a snorkel guide company. It's a nice company. A lot of people love it. They say it's the best experience of their life. But what that company did is bring 40 people on a boat, drop them on the turtles and kind of like that's, there's nothing they don't give back to the ocean. Really. They don't, really like 40 people is too much to bring to a one dive spot at a time and all that so yeah i would also check that's a good point by the way um how many people is on the boat that's a very good thing to check The less the better
3: yeah better for the animals
2: yeah more sustainable the less people the more sustainable it is
1: yeah because it is a sad point isn't it is that people will try to force as many people as they can into them but they'll try to sell out an attraction which is a wild animal and it's yeah we do exploit things unfortunately that's it's, it's horrible but because that's what i try to avoid was i want people to get into the sport and try it and follow your channel and get inspired but you also don't want any old idiot just jumping in the water and going diving off by themselves is there key things then that each person who's doing it should have like a knife torch diving partner to make sure they're safe what what do you have to have before you go diving
3: just your snorkel and mask which is the beauty of it um and a friend and a friend <laughs> have safety yeah um you don't need long fancy fins to start we mm-hmm. started with snorkel fins like my fins were this big i didn't buy my long fins for like till maybe five six months in um And I've been diving for almost a year and a half. So you don't need much. And that's the beauty of snorkeling and free diving. Because once you start feeling comfortable with snorkeling, um, you start knowing what it is to free dive as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, you don't need anything else. That is important, though. We want to always make sure people always bring a friend.
3: Never go alone.
1: So why do you think diving after i have all the kind of sports and activities that you could be doing why do you think it gives you this deep sense of relaxation of it's almost like your place to be well it, what do you think draws you to it
3: yeah i think for me it's just how quiet it is underwater if you think about like the chaotic world we live in i mean The amount of buses that pass by during this podcast, like you just hear so much in the outside world. Everyone's always texting you. or You're always uh, scrolling down through Instagram or TikTok when you're bored or you have the Netflix on in the background or music in the background. You're always constantly thinking that's when you're outside of the water, at least for me. Then when I'm in the water, I can't bring any of these gadgets with me. Um, I don't hear anyone. It's just me in the ocean. Issa can't even talk to me when we're diving down. Um, It's just absolute, like, a sense of mindfulness and just being you and the ocean. And if you happen to see a turtle or an eagle ray or a shark, you just feel that appreciation of, like, wow, this world is so big underwater and, like... Mm -hmm. as sad as it is like it's dying but you're also appreciating how beautiful it is um so it just gives you a completely different perspective into life and the world like also holding your breath like allowing yourself to feel comfortable underwater and leave the stresses of the outside world behind so i think that's why i'm like so addicted to being in the water if i have a bad day i'm like i want to get in the water today and I get out of the water and I leave those stresses behind because it kind of opens your eyes that there's more to life than these stresses that are causing you stress.
2: And I think the reason why, in addition to the ocean being so amazing, it's you cannot dive if you're not relaxed, especially when it comes to depth or holding your breath for a little bit longer. Impossible. It's all about relaxation. It's all about your mind. Of course, you have to have the technique as well and the skills. But you can't use that technique or those skills unless you're relaxed for example with depth there comes problems like squeezes so your lungs can squeeze your throat can squeeze and that's very dangerous you can cough up blood after you have to go to the hospital that's where diving gets dangerous but for beginners you don't have to worry about that you can't go in that deep anyways that you could hurt yourself in that way but the reason those happen is if the diver is not relaxed So before you dive, during your dive, you have to be relaxed. You have to have that two, three minutes of just complete relaxation. And I can't, I'm not a good, I can't meditate or anything. I'm not really good at just stopping myself like that. Same with me. (laughs) Yeah. When I'm in the water, I get that complete 100% relaxation. So yeah, that's why it's so addicting.
1: I love that. Maybe that's what should be the next stress buster workshop that we send people. It's like, go free diving. Never, you know, as your team bonding. I love that. Because usually with people I'm asking, like, what's your relaxation thing away from their training or the sport or, you know, their industry? And I love how yours is actually to relax, I go do my sport. Yeah. So, <laughs> th- so what would you – do you have, like, recovery – it sounds so clinical now but do you have recovery protocols do you have ways that you kind of relax out of the water or recover from your dives you know are you getting scraped through going through coral are you you know how do you deal with the bruises the cuts, the tiredness from diving because you're going three times a week and it looks pretty intensive How, how do you deal with that or is it so enjoyable it's not really a challenge anymore
3: it's not. I think just staying really hydrated, yeah. honestly. And if we're not diving, like being active, like going on hikes, I think that's how I stay sane. If I'm not diving, then just be out in nature. We take a lot of naps.
1: <laughs> As a student, you yeah. should. It's it's a rule. It's,
3: <laughs>
2: I'm
1: sure it's a law somewhere, like
2: yeah so what... but diving also makes you so tired yeah seriously and hungry so hungry
3: and tired after a dive we go to our favorite spa and get like a big sandwich and french fries that is you our sure after you're not dive. a
1: student as well <laughs> yeah
3: so
2: yeah i think that And but for free diving i think it's a good balance to then do like maybe go to the gym i do um kickboxing and boxing more like aggressive okay. sports And then like hiking, we both hike a lot and I surf as well. So surfing is a very different kind of water sport. So that one is more like super stressful almost because you're kind of scared of the waves. And I'm always scared when I'm surfing and then I'm super comfortable when I'm free diving. So yeah, I guess it's the balance of having both.
1: So one of the things I was always interested in is I think it was. I've read it, written it down somewhere. It was seven or eight percent of the world that we know in the ocean. You know, we've explored so many other places, but the ocean is like an uncharted depths. It's we don't know what's down there, and it, and it's probably terrifying in some bits of it. But what would you want as like education, research? You know, especially being a student in this area, what would you want people to start looking into? Apart from, like, would it just be concentrating on the single-use plastics, um, you know, making it laws about what interaction we can have with animals, reducing fishing things? What would you want research done into this just now to make sure that this beautiful world that you have under the water stays that way?
2: Mm, By private people, like anyone who's not a professional, do you mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, is, it, is there any kind of research that you would like done? Any kind of, you know, are you looking to plant a PhD focusing on certain things? You know, what is there anything that you would want to kind of make it free diving even better by research done in the sport?
2: Mm, well, done in the sport, actually, there is very little research on freediving, So we don't really know what our bodies are doing, especially those. Pro divers, the best in the world, who go to 100 meters on one breath. Hmm. We don't know what is happening to their bodies. So that would be amazing to learn about and to put more money into it because freediving doesn't have money in the sport at all. It's such
3: a new sport. Very new sport.
2: But then overall with the oceans, I think we need more money into conservation. conservation. And um, we only 3% of the ocean right now is protected. There's only 3%, um, like, con- uh, how would you say those? Like areas where you are not allowed to fish or do yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So the uh, I think there is a goal called 30% by 2030. So 30% of the oceans would be protected. And the only way this is possible is by putting more money into the conservation. And also, I think everyone should check the politicians that they are voting for or the parties that they are voting for what is that parties or that politicians um what are they doing what is their opinion about protecting the oceans are they putting that as a priority or are they focusing on making money so just find out who you are voting for who are you supporting and what are they supporting
1: especially with things like fracking what they're allowed to discharge into the ocean and, you know, like I, I've worked on a fish farm before when I was younger and I realized like how little control there is in what like waste, like effluent waste from the fish tanks and that are allowed to go into the ocean. And you think, what is that doing to the animals that are there? How is that changing the ecosystem and stuff? And it's you think just like how small an area in north of Scotland is, but What's happening worldwide with all these changes exactly. and laws and stuff? Yeah, uh, it would be a fantastic looking because it's when you see these guys diving hundred like a hundred feet, you think, How are they managing that? How are they controlling their body, their mattress? It would be a fantastic thing because human potential that's a great demonstration of what we can do. But how do you guys juggle working, being a student, diving, hiking, just being friends, just doing your own thing? Yeah have you found a way to juggle all these demands, you know, content creator being the next superstars of TikTok. you know, how, how do you deal with these 90 things you're doing at once?
3: Um, I think just knowing how to prioritize, um, and not (sighs) stressing if we can't dive. So if I'm super busy with work, not stressing the other person out, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's like understanding, like, Sometimes we need to prioritize other things or knowing that our thing for diving will be on the weekend. Um, hmm. So just kind of learning how to prioritize. I mean, it's hard living in Hawaii because you always want to be outside and exploring.
1: I would um, imagine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest. I prioritize <laughs> diving quite often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do, like, I make sure to, like, survive school that's how i call it i survive school and then i live life outside of it i think it's for me i've been thinking about that a lot and it's one of my kind of mentalities is i want to live life in the way that makes me happy and that's my first priority the reason i study marine biology is because the ocean makes me happy so that's why i study marine biology but then i've also figured out while studying as much as i love that i love actually being in there and doing it more than I love studying about it. Hmm. So that's why I prioritize diving. I make sure to kind of hit my, um, like what I need, requirements. yeah, my requirements. I make sure to hit my requirements on things to survive them. <laughs> and then I put most of my energy into things that make me happy. Maybe one day once I'm older, I have to, have to stop doing that as much. But right now I'm really trying to make life work in a way that makes me the happiest and the most free like free diving
1: (laughs) I love it and so few people do that and I love how you guys have kind of aligned your lives to allow you to do the things you're happiest at. you know very few people actually have a passion very few people actually do it And you've got this amazing channel that goes out and show people like the joys, the the beauty of nature, and it's phenomenal. You should be super proud of what you've done, but what do you want to be the evolution of this? Is this just going to be your way of showcasing the nature of the world? Do you want it to become a brand that starts working towards conservation? Do you want it to be like, you know, going and teaching free diving? Like, you could take this anywhere. What would you yeah. like to do with it?
3: Yeah, so we're in the very beginning stages um, since the count has only been up for a year. Um, we have a lot of ideas, um, but I think we need to kind of go forth with the ideas and like mm-hmm. all these different plans that we have in mind. Um, so, for example, possibly doing trips with some of our followers. So we're planning on maybe possibly doing a trip to Mexico um so if someone wants to join us then we go we bring them we take videos with them but also it's important for us i mean for me as well to also talk about what's going on in the ocean so like really opening others eyes instead of just going to mexico and trying to get that shot with an animal it's more so educating i think that's our number one thing and supporting foundations like coral gardeners who um are trying to rebuild the corals right now so like supporting those foundation and letting our followers know these are the foundations you can support um, to help others
2: yeah i think actually you asked many of those things that we have been asking as well which is like how can a person who doesn't really know about the ocean get into free diving how can a person who doesn't know that much find a good company to go out with when they travel So we want to kind of bring an answer to that. So we are working right now into making that happen. So one day um, I might become an instructor. I'm kind of training towards that. So I would become a freediving instructor. Once I get all the experience I need, I don't want to rush into it. I want to be good at it once I'm there.
1: I think you're on the way there.
2: (laughs) yeah and then we could combine that so our idea is kind of like bring people who might not even be that comfortable in the water help them out as an instructor to become freedivers and then at the same time we know the connections we find good companies that are great for the environment great for the people great for the experience and then at the same time bring them on this amazing dive trip that they wouldn't maybe otherwise be able to do so definitely if you're interested in that you should follow our pages keep an eye on that all the updates are going to come there. Might happen soon. We're hoping to make it happen this summer. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We're working on it. We're making the connections. Because we don't want to do anything just for the sake of doing it. We want to do it well. We want it to be like safe for everyone. We want the companies to be good that we work with. We want the experience to be the best possible for everyone involved. So
1: yeah i think that'd be fantastic because then you give everybody like how to do it safely how to do it ethically how to do it mm-hmm. protect you know be nice to the animals to the environment and you'd also train people to be the next generation of free divers, but not be morons you know to actually do it safely to enjoy yeah. it yeah. at a respective distance i i love how you've only been doing it a year you think you've you said you, had, you don't really know much about social media but you have a this amazing audience, you know, you could take this place anywhere. It's gonna be an awesome channel. I love how you know you're just doing because you enjoy it. You're having fun. And I hope that stays there because that is what makes it so appealable. I know we're I can't believe we've been talking an hour. It generally feels ten minutes. So we'll have to get you we'll have to get you back on when you're being instructors, when you're you know, when you've made a global empire, you're changing the laws and you're doing so much. But what would you want people now to remember from this is there a message you want them to take is it don't be a dick and protect the ocean is it you know what what would you want them to remember from this as a take-home message
2: go explore go in the ocean if you are not by the ocean because i know not everyone is The next trip you make, maybe make sure to go swim, maybe go out on one of those ocean safaris and do it responsibly or then um, just find that that thing you can do, whether it is giving up um, commercial fish or if it is maybe checking the person you're voting for in the next election, checking Mm -hmm. what their values are when it comes to the ocean or or environment yeah or seeing how yeah.
3: else you can help like different foundations mm-hmm. um everyone can help little by little
1: i love it i love how it's about helping others it's not about helping yourself it's not about you know you're saying just make the world a better place help the ocean help this help that you know it's 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 very rare to have somebody that doesn't go follow my channel do this buy this it's you're just like yeah let's Let's make this an enjoyable thing for the rest of the world. And um, how can people keep in touch with you? You know, like how can they follow on? Is like Instagram the best thing? Are you thinking about setting up a website? Are you thinking about doing like a a channel where you can sign up for going on expeditions with you? What's the best way of following along in the projects you're doing?
3: Yeah, I think Instagram right now. We we don't have a website or anything. We haven't even spoken about creating a mm-hmm. website. Um, but yeah, keeping up with our stories and then we're the, the trip that we're planning for Mexico, it's, we want to keep it small and intimate. So maybe four more people with us. So we aren't making too much of a impact negatively, um, when it comes to tourism. So just keeping up because then the spots are going to be filled pretty fast. if We can only have four people, but then if that trip goes well, then we'll start doing more trips Still very intimate um, group, but yeah, just checking our Instagram once we figure out if we're going to go and do the trip.
2: And TikTok as well. um, So follow both TikTok and Instagram. TikTok, um, you get a little bit of different kind of side of our content. We post more of like funny and relaxed stuff, which we do on Instagram as well. But Instagram is more also for this information side of our stuff. So Keeping up with both is always good.
0: Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it.